Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but is a connection with the season three guest, Stephanie Miles. He is a parish priest in the Archdiocese of Washington. It's Father Larry Young. Welcome, Father. Hey, thank you for having me on, Julie. Appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Is there anything else you'd like to share about yourself with the listeners? I'm just a parish priest ordained in 2003, serving at St. Mary of the Mills as pastor in Laurel, Maryland. Are you from Laurel originally? Where are you originally from? I grew up in Delaware, went to college in uh, at Steubenville, worked as a carpenter for four or five years, had some adventures and um, <laughs> traveling around and doing different things. Um, walked up the Appalachian Trail uh, in 1990 <clears throat> uh, from Georgia to Maine. Um, so I like the outdoors and... Um, um, hunt and work on cars. I don't know. I'm kind of a redneck. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know what else to say. I like sports. and But my favorite thing is the Bible. That is my passion. So uh, when I heard about your podcast, I was immediately interested talking to Stephanie. Oh, well, I appreciate that. So are you, since you're from Delaware, are you like a Commanders fan? Are, is, like, What's your favorite sport? What are your favorite teams? You know, I'm kind of a little different. Uh, I was a wrestler, so uh, in the winter, I don't watch football, basketball, or hockey. Um, I'm all about college wrestling. Awesome. I am I am not a sports fan, so I can't even pretend to like know anything about wrestling, but I, I love that for you. <laughs> and I appreciate you you being here. So we're gonna what I'm gonna have you do is read the scripture verse that you chose. We're gonna be chatting today about Second uh, Corinthians chapter seven verses nine and ten. So I'm going to have you read that for us. Okay, here goes. I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation, and brings no regret. But worldly grief produces death. Okay, so I'm going to give us just kind of a little bit of, of context about um, St. Paul's letter. And then I'd love to hear you know, from you also. I'm sure you, you know a lot about it as well. But 2 Corinthians is a letter to, it's a follow-up, obviously, from the first letter. And the uh, community of Corinth is in Greece, and it's a community of new Christians. It's This letter is said to be one of Paul's most personal letters. And um, in this particular passage, he references like earlier, I think in chapter seven, it's like a callback to chapter two. He was, I think he and Titus, if I'm, if I'm reading my footnotes correctly, had kind of like a little, I don't know, a falling out or maybe a grievance, which is mentioned here. And then um, he's kind of resolving it in this chapter is what my footnotes uh, said about this passage. But I'd love to ask you, why did you choose this verse, Father? Yeah, so uh, Titus... I thought he was the one that carried the letter over to him, uh, the second letter of the Corinthians. He sent Titus over to the church in Corinth. After the first letter, he kind of blasted him in the first letter <clears throat> a little bit. You know, it was a strong confrontation. 
of some of the dissension and, you know, really kind of childish behavior there. Factions growing up in the community and different things. So also some some immorality and whatnot. So then uh, the people were uh, in the church in Corinth were pretty convicted about that. Some of them were kind of like shattered uh, by Paul's rebuke. And so I think that's what Paul's addressing here, primarily mm-hmm. um, this uh, contrition. And he's kind. Of, I guess he's kind of trying to direct it mm-hmm. uh, properly. You know, there's sorrow for sin. Um, what do we do with that? And that's what fascinates me about this passage here that I think is very applicable uh, to our lives is that decision. Uh, what do we do with sorrow for sin? It seems like he presents two basic fundamental paths or directions. It can lead to repentance, which then leads to salvation, or it can lead to regret, which uh, leads to death. So godly grief versus worldly grief is just very fascinating. Uh, these two things, you know, side by side, because um, there's two different words. The, the repentance there is metanoia, and it's change of mind. Uh, but then there's this metamelomai is uh, the word for regret. Hmm. Um, and that is kind of like a change of concern or what you care about. It's, it's basically regret is like a, a, a grief turned inward, you know, remorse hmm. or ruining something. Uh, regret or remorse is kind of turned in on oneself. It's kind of repentance, metanoia is directed outwards towards God. It's a turning of the soul towards God. Whereas regret or remorse is kind of a short circuits that process. And it's just kind of you're left biting yourself. Remorse, uh, mortere in Latin is to bite and the prepositional prefix re, remorse, remortere to just bite yourself again and again. You know, like you're just biting your hand, like you just can't believe you did this or that or the other thing. You can see how, it, and it just ultimately leads to death. It's like repenting to yourself. You know, you're not really mm-hmm. turning to the Lord and finding salvation. Godly grief leads to repentance and to salvation, whereas worldly grief leads to regret and death. So the mm-hmm. two classic examples I thought of to illustrate this, is Peter is a great illustration of somebody who experienced um, tremendous godly grief. I mean, sorrow for sin. I mean, he wept bitterly after he denied the Lord three times. Um, But he repented. He chose that path of godly grief, you know, which led to repentance and ultimately to salvation. Uh, Whereas Judas curiously in Matthew 27, three, when he goes back into the temple, you know, he regrets what he did after betraying the Lord. He throws the coins into the temple or whatever, but uh, yeah, it's translated. He repented. Hmm. Um, but really the word is metamelomai. It's really um, regret. Mm-hmm. It's not metanoia. So I know in the RSV, which I use the Catholic RSV, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it translates that repent, but it really isn't the word metanoia or other words, you know, it's really regret. That's why I think the, uh, 
the new American that most people look at is the, I think it has deeply regretted. Um, mm. And the Jerusalem Bible had something else that was interesting, like something bitterly remorseful or something like that. Um, mm. So yeah, that, and then ultimately what does he do? He kills himself, you know? So it, mm. you know, that downward spiral into oneself. I see this, you know, in the confessional after 20 years of being a priest coming up on 20 years here, Mm-hmm. Uh, sat countless hours in the confessional and you know deal with a lot of self-hatred self-condemnation and um, you know that despair that people experience sometimes as a result of their sins uh, mm-hmm. is not from the Holy Spirit you said so many good things there and I, I just want to kind of reiterate it. Like, I love that you gave the two examples. I love when we break down scripture actually from the Greek. So I, I'm, I'm so grateful that you're able to do that because I think that gives us the true interpretation, um, like metanoia versus the word for regret. I guess my next question for you is, I know that you see this a lot. I can, I can feel it myself. I can see it in our culture um, that we do turn inward and want to, and just kind of focus on ourselves. Do you have any like tips or like, how can we go from that earthly grievance to godly grievance? Like what are some tips you have? Yeah, that's the crux of it right there. Um, I think it hinges on uh, authentic humility. I guess Mm. some people think, you know, beating up on yourself is being humble, but it really isn't. It's kind of a, this is tricky to to get, but I think uh, it can really be a kind of a hidden form of pride. Um, mm-hmm. when you're just whop, swap, swap, all mm-hmm. over yourself, whipping, beating yourself up, you know, underneath that is kind of a, um, oftentimes unrealistic expectation. Mm-hmm. You're holding up some ideal of what you should be and, mm-hmm. and then beating yourself up about it. Um, a certain self-acceptance coming to the Lord naked as you are transparent before the Lord and just kind of like, this is who I am, you know, join the human race type of thing. We all got it. Mm-hmm. Sin until five minutes after we're dead and all the saints had it. You know, I know they look so holy on holy cards, you know, super <laughs> hyper pious, but uh, you know, they were sinners until five minutes after they were dead. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when we humble ourselves, it, if we do it right, it brings peace you know, um, and I don't mean having a lax conscience, like where, right. you know, we just, uh, that's of course not what I mean. You, you, you know, contrition has its role. I mean, there, there's a real grief and sorrow for sin. It's an aspect of a penitent heart, uh, to have mm-hmm. this contrition, compunction of heart. Yeah. When a person's humble, you know, uh, you look up at the Lord and there's hope that springs forth from that, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I feel like I've, like in the past, like in my early stages of my spirituality and learning how to go to confession regularly, um, I think I made some like, not poor, like my, all my confessions were very well intended, but I can see how it was just very much about like just focusing on my sin. And you, and I think maybe that's where we get stuck as we, we focus so much on that sin, but we need to focus on that metanoia, that change. Like if we are truly sorry and contrite, for our sins, then we want to change. And I think we still just focus on like, oh, I did this horrible thing rather than like 
I'm going to move on from it. Like, and what you said earlier about Titus and Paul, like Paul is, I love Paul's letters for so many reasons, but he is the first to be like, I am not <laughs> like, I I'm a sinner, you know, like that he's not worthy of all the things that Christ has done for him. And I love that intimate moment that you describe between him and Titus that even like you were saying earlier, like we think of saints as being these holier than thou, but like even they had little quarrels or grievances. And so I don't know. That's a lot of right there, but I just, I wanted to respond to some of the things that you said, but would you agree? Do you think that we maybe get caught up in our sin, sin rather than, than the penance of like moving on? Like, what do you think it is that we get caught on? Yeah. I mean, um, having a hatred, despising our sin is one thing, but we shouldn't despise ourselves. Right. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's the devil's playground. He, he loves that. And that discouragement uh, comes over us. And it's really not humble to do that. It, it kind of comes from pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, a child, like, you know, our Lord said, unless you repent, metanoia, uh, Matthew mm-hmm. eighteen three. unless you repent and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, um, you know, the way, the pathway of peace is that transformation our Lord wants to see, that part of repentance is accepting our true status. We're just little children. I mean, he uses the word pideon there, which is like not even just child pidos, but like little child, seven years and and under. Um, So that's (laughs) the the way of um, the true disciple is becoming a little child. Kind of makes you think of St. Teresa of Lisieux, you know? Mm-hmm. of the child Jesus just becoming little mm-hmm. uh, unless you repent and unless you repent and become like little children you'll never enter the kingdom of God like that's our true status from the Pope and the president on down we're just little kids I mean think about how immature most of our thinking is really if we stop and catch ourselves in the act of thinking um, and it's okay like you know uh, let's <laughs> I feel like there's a freedom in that of just taking some of the pressure that pride puts on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there's a peace that comes from it as well. And a hope uh, we look mm-hmm. up at the Lord and like he finds us irresistible when he sees mm-hmm. us humble like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind of almost cute and adorable. Even if we do like I was uh, saw this, YouTube video of some little girl, her parents were holding the camera phone and she had chocolate icing all over her face mm-hmm. and, and all over her hands. And she's kind of holding her hands behind her back. And they were like, uh, you can't see the parents, but you know, it's them. And they're like, did you eat the bird? Did you eat that chocolate cake? <laughs> and she's looking up like, no. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and eventually they get her to confess, you know, that she did it. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. That's kind of how I, from the perspective of heaven now, I mean, where people are truly mature and integrated from the other side, you know, the saints, the angels, our Lord, the blessed mother, when they look at us, I mean, they, they feel compassion for us. I mean, we are um, incredibly immature in our thinking. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the more we uh, kind of acknowledge that, um, I think it helps and of course, we we should detest our sins and wipe the chocolate cake off our face, you know, and go to the sink and wash our hands. And, you know, 
it's not uh, having a lax conscience, but at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. No, I think that image of the child, it, it's it's a good one because when you're younger, I don't know, your parents are taking care of you, right? Like you you don't have that control. And I think that's for me personally, where I get caught up is like, I want to control everything. And that's where that inward looking is, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. But when you're looking at it from a child's perspective, like they rely on their parents completely to take care of them basically because they, they have to, you know, they can't make money. They can't do a lot of things for themselves. And so I think that image, I like that for our reliance on God as well, that if we're going to apologize and, and go to our, you know, go confess our sins, then to really like turn it over and let it go and let, you know, let him take care of it. And I think that's where I know I get caught up is not still wanting to fix it myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I like where you're going with that uh, Mm -hmm. part of, um, that whole thing, I mean, that image of the little kid, I mean, is that's the gospel. It's, it's um, I mean, the, the conversion that must occur in our heart is that um, acknowledgement that we're, we're weak and need help and we're little. Um, mm-hmm. And then God responds to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How can he not? Like that's, and that's, that's beautiful. We're something you were saying earlier too, about like that, a lot of us strive for this kind of like false, these false expectations. I think that's so real and that's our reality right now. Um, I think a lot of social media, what it does is put up these false expectations for people. You know, I look at everybody's Instagram and I'm like, oh, look what they're doing. Like, you know, when there's that comparison and and this creates this false expectation and false like relationships. Whereas again, going back to like Paul and Titus, like that real intimacy of like, owning who you really are and the other person seeing you for who you really are and that you're flawed. I think social media prevents us from accepting that others have flaws and that we're flawed. I don't know if you see where I'm going with that, but would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it, it, it turns outward too. I think when we have this um, compassion uh, towards ourselves a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, then it's easier to have compassion towards others, hopefully. And we, uh, mm-hmm. we're not so harsh, mm-hmm. you know, we're, everybody's walking wounded, walking around. I mean, yeah. um, we're all broken and hurting people. I mean, everybody and, uh, spiritually sick and the more aware we are of that, uh, the less harsh we are because again, that, that, false expectation that we just place on ourselves and other people just so um unrealistic yeah no that's so well said um what else would you like to say about this passage that you picked are there other messages that it has for us uh well i mean judas hung himself you know i mean sad but uh but peter um i feel like there's one other text we could connect to this. Uh, it's Acts chapter 3, verse 19. So after Pentecost, he's preaching in Solomon's portico. And I like what he says there, you know, uh, a couple things. I mean, he's been humbled. I, I just feel like he's been humbled above all. Everybody in the world for all time knows that he denied the Lord mm-hmm. three times. It's in all the Gospels, you know. I mean, it's just, that's pretty rough. <laughs> when yeah. you really think about it like well luckily he's also the first pope but yeah like there's other things he's known for but that's part of his legacy yeah and that's rough yeah 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 i mean yeah. uh that really was a source of his sanctity in some ways i think that needed to happen to kind of break mm-hmm. him um mm. 
And I think he de derived tremendous benefit from that and sanctity from that, you know, for the rest of his days, he, you know, he turns the corner and walks past a group of people. And as he turns the corner, he hears this. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like this uh, Acts 319 where he's preaching there and he says, uh, uh, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out and the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I really like that for a number of reasons. Uh, this repentance, he experienced it himself. So he's talking from his own experience. Mm -hmm. That's what I like. And repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out like his were. And the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Like when you sin, you come into the Lord, you repent and come into the Lord's presence, not hiding in the bushes like Adam and Eve. Yeah. Come in and you're refreshed. Um, this another great Greek word, anapsuko, it's really the only time is words used in the new testament and as a noun anyway here but um this uh refreshment uh refriger refrigerium or whatever in the vulgate which is kind of cool the latin like mm -hmm. refrigerator and mm -hmm. is like a cool breeze blowing through your soul <laughs> mm -hmm. i always think of the peppermint patty commercials they used to have where people <laughs> yeah. would take a bite of it and you'd be have this having this mountaintop experience <laughs> We're dating um, ourselves with that, but yes, I know, I know the reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I love that. I mean, it's so, it's so appealing. It's like, wow, repentance, mm -hmm. and then being refreshed in the presence of the Lord. Like that's the pathway to salvation that Paul's talking about here. Mm -hmm. Repent, godly grief to repentance, which leads to salvation, versus worldly grief which brings regret and death. Yeah. And these are, that's important. Those are important messages. When I, um, you know, when I do this podcast and people pick verses, I never really, I, you know, I do my little research and I, but I don't know what they're bringing and I don't really, I just like to kind of let this, the conversation go and I never really know where it's going, but this was so beautiful how it started with Paul and Titus. And then you bring in Peter and Judas. And then we talked more about Peter and, the other scripture verses that it connects to. I, I love this. Um, I think these are all excellent examples for us. And, you know, history repeats itself. Like, you know, th these guys were struggling with these things and we still struggle with to with them today. And, you know, that's why the saints are great models for us. But um, I'm curious now, I want to ask like more personally, so you know so much Greek. Did you study Greek? Did you have to in seminary? Uh, I had a year of Greek in the seminary, but, you know, I just, I'm always looking up Greek words like, every day mm. do you have like a text or a commentary that you that you recommend for people to like use so that they can know the origins of scriptural words better oh yeah 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 i think the easiest thing for people to use i use it every day is bible hub um, okay people can turn to bible hub and then uh you can look at the uh the greek and click on a word and see where else it's used and it's just yeah it makes it so fun Mm -hmm. uh, so I use Bible Hub a lot. It's cheap. It's you know it's free online thing. And then uh, I use a Verbum uh, software. I got the fancy software you got to pay for, but uh, mm -hmm. I use that because I like to look in the Septuagint at the 
you know, at the Greek of the, the Old Testament translation and, and the Vulgate, mm-hmm. uh, Psalm 2, but more Septuagint. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I'm looking at Hebrew words and then I want to see what, what they did when they translated into Greek. And mm-hmm. yeah, 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 it just kind of draws out the meaning of, I like etymology a lot too. Mm-hmm. And, that's, I love that too. I mean, I, I study scripture, I teach scripture, but I teach middle school, so it's not as advanced. They're less, they're less wowed by the, the Greek, you know, <laughs> I try to tell them, but it's, and, and I have to use it sparingly because it's not really their thing, but <laughs> this was so great. I, do you have any final like thoughts you want to leave us with as we wrap up? Uh, man, I feel like I got it out of my system. Um, important messages like repentance versus regret regret i think that's such a strong and powerful message and then having these figures to to look to for examples and i think it's an awesome message i also give people a chance to plug things at the end of my podcast do you have any projects or websites or things you want us to check out uh i have a youtube channel i've had for five years i think i think three years (laughs) i can't remember it's a uh, YouTube channel. It's just easy to find. It's just my name, Fr. Dot Larry Young, mm-hmm. um, and um, so I've been make uh, you know I've done studies of of individual books. Like uh, I know we're in the year of Matthew. I did a thorough study of Matthew last year. This year I'm, I'm going into a real deep dive with John's Gospel. Um, but I've introduced every book of the Bible and did a thorough uh, introduction of Isaiah uh, Mm. and many of the prophets, but yeah. And there's all kind of stuff on there my homilies and it's a real mishmash or whatever of um, (laughs) hodgepodge of all kinds of things from pulling engines out of trucks. And I don't even know. It's (laughs) some humorous stuff. I love that. I will definitely check out your YouTube. So, uh, Search for Father Larry on YouTube. I I think, especially if you talk about scripture, I mean that's going to get me. And I think, and I I wish sometimes I'm in the Arlington, or I was in the Arlington Diocese. Now I'm in the Richmond Diocese, and I just find this is my own personal thing. Like I wish I heard more homilies about like the origins of scripture, but that's again my personal preference. I feel like I hear a lot of like kind of commentary on society versus like I'm like I want the scriptural deep dive, you know. <laughs> so I'll definitely check it out. It's just a garden. It feels like, you know, just wandering around a garden mm-hmm. uh, with the Bible. It's just fun. Uh, yeah. The more familiar you get with it, you just kind of wander around, smell the roses, go over, <laughs> sit under this little tree with a little brook. It's just amazing. It's like a whole cosmos. Um, mm-hmm. The fathers of the church, you know, talked about the book of nature and the or the book of the cosmos. And then. There's the book of scripture. I mean, wow, the cosmos is pretty big. The scriptures yeah. are just so immense, a uh, world mm-hmm. of discovery. Um, I, I'm just enthralled with it, and I'm up at six with my coffee, my dark mm-hmm. French roast with half and half, <laughs> just, you know, studying the uh, scriptures and praying with the scriptures every day. I mean, they grow mm-hmm. with you. And so I just, yeah, it's awesome. The Bible is awesome. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm right there with you. I'm up with my coffee at 6 a.m. too, which is impressive since I have to be at school at like 7.30, but you probably have like a 7 a.m. mass or something. Do you? You know, this is a luxurious assignment. It's not till nine. 
Wow. Well, I have all the time in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I won't take up any more of your time. Uh, thank you so much for being here. De- definitely make sure to check out Father Larry's YouTube channel. If you all would like to find me, I'm on Instagram at 7 Mile Chats, all spelled out. I'm also on Twitter at MissStruckly1, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1, where I tweet about what's happening in my classroom, this podcast. But thank you, Father Larry, once again for being here. I really appreciate it. You betches. God blesses <laughs> and your apostolate here on 7 Mile Chats. Thank you. That was the best outro ever. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye, everyone.